you're watching online, if you're here in the seats with us, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning. We're going to stand. It's Christmas season, y'all. Going to be hitting you with some Christmas songs. Just get ready. Oh, yeah. 
worthy of our praise. Have a seat for just a second. Have a few announcements that I want to share with us this morning. And just some other things that we're going to talk about. And then we'll get back to worship. So if you um, came in and you forgot to grab communion, please make sure you take a minute to go back there and get that because we're going to be having communion a little bit later. In the front of the seat, or the seat in front of you, there's a card that has a QR code on it. Um, if you haven't had a chance to scan that so you can get into our website, it's for connection. There's all kinds of things that you can get from there. Uh, please make sure you grab that card, make that connection. Uh, Christmas party. Yeah. Oh, that's not good enough. Christmas party. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. December 14th. Because yay, Jesus, right? It's awesome that we can come together and we can celebrate. But it's about him. Amen. It's about him. December 14th, 630, I believe. And please bring um, a dessert or a snack to share. Parents Night Out is coming up. Um, that's up there on the screen. If you have questions about that, please contact Kristen Steyert or Cody Shepard, and they can get you information about that. Christmas Eve services will be coming up soon um, on Christmas Eve. Hello. Christmas Eve, 3.30 and 5 o'clock. If you are in town and have an opportunity, it's a beautiful candlelight service. And it's an opportunity to just worship and embrace why we celebrate this season. And um, the food drive, there's an ongoing food, food drive going on right now. So you can bring a donation for our food pantry. You see the dates up there, the 4th, the 11th, and the 18th. So if you have an opportunity to participate in that, please do. All right. Um, we have ways to give. So if God's uh, blessed you, be a blessing. That's why he blesses us. And up here on the screen, you can see there are three ways that you can give into the ministries of Southwood. So make sure you take note of that. And before we go on, I want you all to stand up and take a minute to say hi.
Amen. Amen. We're going to come into our time of communion after this next song. Uh, before we do that, I just want to make sure you got your communion emblems. The juice representing the blood of Christ. The bread representing the body of Christ. And this morning, the Lord kind of put in my heart um, that what we do is a celebration of the great exchange. I think Martin Luther calls it the great exchange. When God changed, exchanged Jesus' righteousness for the sin of humankind, he made a great exchange, one that is um, beyond compare. Beyond, there's no value you can place on it because it's, it's too numerous to even think about it. But this morning, as we take those emblems and we celebrate what Jesus has done for us, boy, if there's any time to be really celebrating what Christ has done, it's Christmas, Christmas. And that way, when the Spirit of God is moving through us, it's like a, a, a connection that can be made to your family members, to your friends, to the people you work with. They have to know why. You've got joy when for some people this time of the year is difficult and it can be depressing and they have a lot of things going on. Oh, let us be that light. Let us be that joy, that love, that peace that people need. And let's celebrate that great exchange as we take communion this morning. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go. Father God, we're so grateful to you for how amazing you are. We're grateful to you for Jesus and that you exchanged his righteousness for our sin. It's something that we can't even completely wrap our hearts or our minds around because it's too big. It's huge. But Lord, we're so grateful to you for it. We're grateful that we can stand in your presence. We're grateful that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life if we've said yes to Jesus at any time. We're grateful for what he has done. And I pray, Lord, that the joy that that brings would be contagious to those that we have opportunity to share with in this next month. Help us to just consider, consider how we can be love and light and joy and peace as Jesus would be. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
I'm not sure if you're familiar with that Christmas song that Tom was just playing there during our communion time, but I just want you to listen to a few of the lyrics. The Holly and the Ivy is the name of the song, so go back and listen to it. Look, check the lyrics, listen to a version of it sometime. The Holly and the Ivy, when they are both full grown of all trees that are in the woods, the Holly bears the crown. And then it sings, Oh, the rising of the sun and the running of the deer, the playing of the merry organ. And that kind of refrain echoes throughout the whole thing. But then here are some of the rest of the lyrics. Uh, The holly bears a blossom as white as lily flower, and Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ to be our dear Savior. The next verse, the holly bears a berry as red as any blood, and Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ to do poor sinners good. The holly bears a prickle as sharp as any thorn, And Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ on Christmas Day in the morn. The holly bears a bark as bitter as the gall. And Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ for to redeem us all. And it just keeps going. But it's just like it's beautiful. The lyrics are beautiful. And um, it's perfect for communion. And so I'm just going to ask you if you would bow your head with me. We're going to pray. And then we'll... uh, We'll look at scripture this morning for our message time, okay? Father, thank you for your great love for us, for the sacrifice that you made when you sent your one and only son. Uh, We're eternally indebted to you for his sacrifice on the cross, but also for his entrance into our world. We ask now as we look at your word that you'll mold and shape our character more closely, more precisely to yours. We Acknowledge, even as we look at your word, that we fall far short. But would you help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to become more like you? And we thank you that Jesus shed blood on the cross has paved the way for us to be able to approach you in your presence in your kingdom. Both the kingdom now and the kingdom that is to come. We're so grateful, so grateful. Now be with us as we look at your word. Strengthen us. In Christ's name, we lift this prayer. Everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. Glad you made it this morning. If you're here with us today on site, thrilled you're here. If you're online, we're thrilled uh, you're there as well. And some of you I know are sick, so we're praying for for all of you. You know, this time of year, Santa has uh, become famous. Notice that. He's become famous uh, for asking little boys and little girls one specific question And he just looks at them, and they know the question before he asks it. And he asks, what would you like for Christmas this year, little boy or little girl? Children love the question. Parents basically adore the dreamy excitement of the responses of their kids. I mean, we like that. It's it's cute. It's sweet. It's kind of adorable. But for all of us who are adults... I want to ask you a little different question. I want you to ponder with me a question that's related but different. This is the question. Is Christmas really all about getting things, or is it more about giving? Is it more about generosity? What's it really about? For that matter, is life, not just Christmas, is life more about getting things, Or is it more about learning to give and be generous and, you know, part, not just with things, but to to bless others 
What's it really more about? Make no mistake, there's a debate in our world, in our culture, about this very matter. You watch it raging in the shopping areas. You watch it raging you know, on television. It's, there's a debate about whether life is really about getting or giving. Both things, getting and giving, are important to all of us. We have to have things. I mean, we all recognize that, that to survive. I mean, we need food, we need clothes, we need a roof over our head. There are a lot of other things that just sort of are required for living. But of the two, getting things and giving, giving and generosity hold an unrivaled place of priority in the mind, the heart, the spirit of God himself. And as we look in scripture, what we find is that God wants every one of us who claim to be his followers, he wants every one of us to grow in generosity, to become more like him in this respect. And we do that as we learn to trust him more and as we learn to more, uh, more willingly follow his example. As we head into the Christmas season, I invite you to listen carefully for the next uh, few minutes. I'm going to walk us through a number of passages of Scripture. It's common on a Sunday that I'll have a passage, and we'll kind of work our way through that today. It's going to be a blizzard of Scripture. Some of you go, oh, no, oh, no. Here's my encouragement to you. Take out a piece of paper and a pen and write some of these passages down. These will be great passages for you to reflect on uh, today and the future. Uh, I just Because what these passages are going to do is two things. They're going to reveal God's generosity. It's just going to show up in Scripture as we walk our way through these passages. So you're going to see God's generosity there. But secondly, what you're going to see is the blessings that are the inheritance of those who follow God's example of generosity. He's not just said, I'm a generous God. What he's done is said, if you'll become like me in this respect, I'll be generous to you in ways that you won't expect, you might not believe. And honestly, it takes faith to believe that he'll be as generous as he promises that he will. In scripture. So write down some of these passages. Just join me on the journey through several of these passages. And I know, I know because the word of God is alive, that if you listen carefully, I know God's spirit will strengthen you. I know that he will feed your soul. It'll be like water to parched, thirsty ground, the ground of your soul. So, uh, so uh, buckle up and listen for the next few moments, if you would to a few passages of Scripture. The Bible tells us a lot about God's nature in Scripture, His nature in Scripture. And uh, a familiar verse is the first one that, that comes to my mind when I think about God's nature, just shows up in John 3, 16. Notice this, familiar to most of us. Scripture says, For God so loved the world that He, that he gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, the, the word gave is not just a reference to the cross, though it certainly is a reference to the cross. It certainly is. But before the cross, God, when God gave, you know what he was doing? He gave, it's also a reference to Christmas. A reference to Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth is an unparalleled example of God's incredible generosity. God gave his one and only Son, so that we might not perish in our sins that very first Christmas. That's what he was doing. Essentially what the angels were telling us repeatedly through their, through their messages to the shepherds, through their messages to, to Joseph, through their message to Mary, over and over. 
He will save you from your sins, the Scripture tell us. Jesus reveals his giving priority, though, this way. At a later date, in Mark 10, verse 45, we looked at it a few weeks ago, he explains his motivation this way. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. We looked at that a few weeks ago, remember? To serve others. And notice what he goes on. He says, And to to give, to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, that is generosity on a scale that's beyond calculation, just, just like we were singing about a little bit ago and thinking about. God's been astonishingly generous to us when he gave his son and when Jesus gave his life. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 Verse 9 attempts to summarize what Jesus did with these words. The passage says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that by His poverty He could make you rich. You, know, you think of this how we do. We, we sometimes, some of us are timid about being generous because we just think, if, I just, if, I'm, if I'm generous... I'm going to end up poor. I'm going to have nothing left. That's how we think to ourselves. You know? So the evil one whispers this in our mind, and, you know, trying, to, trying to coax us into being stingy at times when maybe the Spirit of God is prompting us. Jesus gave so much that literally he became poor. I mean, he gave himself into poverty, gave himself to the point of death is what he did. He did not allow that kind of thinking to hinder his top priority, which was to come and model God's generosity towards all of us. Guess when Jesus became poor? That very first Christmas, when he gave up his divine privileges, when he chose to become human. He was not born to a prince and a princess. He was born to peasants who had nothing. And on the day of his circumcision, you go read the New Testament in the book of Luke, you read the day of his circumcision, his parents offered the sacrifice of peasants and paupers. No one is more generous than our God. I could spend a long time just enumerating that point from many, many other passages of Scripture. But what I want you to see this morning is that Christmas is not just about His generosity. It is about you and me, and life for that matter is not just about His generosity. It's about you and me choosing in faith to follow in His footsteps. This is what He's called us to do, to become imitators of Him in every respect. He's the Master. We're the servants. And we're becoming his disciples when we, the servants, the disciples, become like the master. Even in this respect. You know, there are many Bible passages that confidently proclaim the blessings that God wants to heap on the lives of those who follow his example of generosity. I want you to listen to a few of those passages. Psalm 41 says this, Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. 
I mean, just think of the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them. He's not talking about the poor. He's rescuing those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they're in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. I don't know if you've ever seen all of that or not, but it's right there. Isaiah 58 verse 7 tells us, Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. It's an imagery. Just pause. It's an image of like when... The children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and Pharaoh's army was attacking them from behind. And remember how God was their rear guard. The pillar of fire protecting them from evil. The glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Verse 9. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Do you notice the blessings of God upon the generous in these verses? Do you notice it? They just jump out at you if you're listening carefully as we look through these. Listen to a few more passages. Proverbs 19, 17 says, If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. Notice what it says. And he'll repay you. He'll repay you. Jesus says to all of his followers, past and present, Luke 6, verse 38, he says, Give and you'll receive your gift you'll receive your gift will return to you in full pressed down shaken together to make room for more running over poured into your lap the amount you give will determine the amount you get back that's an agricultural illustration that Jesus is giving here and Jesus is using grain in a jar as, as an example and he's saying if you give this much grain guess what Your gift will be returned to you in full. And then God is going to shake the jar so that the grain settles more fully in there. He's then going to press on the top of the grain so that he can do what? So that he can pour more into the jar to the point that it's overflowing the jar. This is Jesus' illustration. This is not some TV preacher making this up. Okay, This is Jesus Okay, saying this. He's saying God is generous to the generous. He will increase and bless and provide for those who choose to be like him in this respect. And his generosity is in proportion to yours as it comes into your life and mine. Apostle Paul expands on that thought 
with these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 6 and following, Paul writes, remember this, and he gives this picture. He says, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. It sounds a lot like what Jesus was saying, doesn't it? I mean, it's just like a, an echo, a thread that runs through all of this. The scriptures say, Paul writes, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered. How long does it say? Forever, forever. It's just like sometimes we're generous to people and we think, oh, well, you know, this is like nobody's ever see this. Nobody have any clue about this. And, and we're tempted to not be generous because of that. But the passage is trying, God's trying to convey to us, no, 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 no. Heaven sees and heaven will never, never forget generosity. The passage goes on, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. One more passage. Paul summarizes his thoughts on the matter by telling believers then and now, Acts 20, verse 35, you should remember, he says, the words of the Lord Jesus, and he quotes Jesus, and interestingly, this quote is not in the Gospels, but it's clear that there are plenty of things that Jesus said that didn't show up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They just didn't show up in all of the, all of the Gospels. doesn't mean he didn't say them. It just means that, like John says at the end of his book, that, you know, like if I wrote down everything that Jesus did and said, who'd have room? It's basically his point. So what's Paul say? He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, and he quotes him, it is more blessed, blessed to give than to receive. It's really the definitive statement on the matter is really this. There's a lot said in all of these passages and as those of you who know me know, we could have developed messages from several ones of them, right? But I think God wants us sometimes to understand that like he has a lot to say about this. And he has a pretty strong opinion about this. And I think in particular this morning, he wants us to notice that there's a common thread throughout all of these different passages. And the thread is this. Did you notice the promises? Did you notice the promises, the blessings that were made to those who will embrace God's lifestyle of generosity and giving? Did you notice them? They are many. Generally speaking, blessing comes to those who are generous. Provision comes to those who are generous. Increase comes to those who are generous. Joy comes to those who are generous. Protection comes to those who are generous. Health, 
rescue, answered prayer. Maybe you noticed that in the passage, one of them. Uh, Guidance, strength, a long list of other good things that are in God's possession to give are the inheritance of those who choose to follow his example of generosity. Those blessings are available because God himself is being generous to the generous. And he can do that. You say, why isn't he generous to somebody who's not generous? It's his prerogative. He values generosity and chooses to reward it. You know, God's hope is that all of us will follow his example, his teachings, and make Christmas and our entire lives all about giving, all about generosity. In many respects, you could argue that life is really about, it's like we start our lives, you know, needing, accumulating, and over time realizing, I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't really need this, what I need to be is more generous of heart. I, I've thought about that a lot this year because we've had uh, three moves in our family. Some of you know this. I mean, we helped my aunt, who's in her latter years, uh, sell her house and divest herself of everything that is hers except for what could be put in an assisted living closet, walk-in closet. That's what she's got now. Uh, Lori's mom, who's going to join us this week, we'll see her, and you'll see her here in the next couple of weeks. We're looking forward to having her here. But she sold her house, sold all kinds of stuff, living in one bedroom, actually two bedrooms, one bedroom and and an overflow bedroom that functions sort of like a little living room in Lori's sister's house and is floating between family members' homes now to that stage of life. Did she really need all that stuff? Maybe at times there were certain moments, but how many of us have accumulated these things? The truth is we don't need them. My mom right now closed on the sale of her home this past week. Home I grew up in was wonderful for a season but it's a very short season, really. It just is. How many of us live our lives, we're accumulating things we think we need, we think we've got to have this, when the truth of the matter is what we really need is to become more like Jesus and learn to be more generous, learn to be more giving. So how do we grow in this area? What choices do I need to make to live a lifestyle of generosity? I mean, the Bible teaches believers a lot of things. It teaches us to tithe. Most of us around here are familiar with that. And really tithing, you know, it's 10% of your, of your resource, your giving that you give to God, and particularly you do it in the local church that you're a part of, the fellowship of believers that you're part of. That's really what tithing is. There are a few people who try to argue it's other stuff, but they're wrong. They just are. They just, I, I, I don't mean that harshly. I just mean they are. They spin stuff and scripture, if you take, it's the place where you worship is what it's for. Why, do, why would God say give 10%? Well, let me ask you, why didn't he say give 
He could have. But here's the thing. God knew that like 90% would be way overkill to accomplish his goal, which his goal was for you and me to learn that like he is the source of all the blessing that comes into my life. It's not, you know, it's, it's not my ingenuity. It's not my hard work. It's not, it's not luck. It's not all kinds of other things. It's, it's not the inheritance that I receive. It's, it's like as we, as we go through life and, and just give 10%, it puts us in a position where God's, somebody's got to close the gap. Somebody's got to close the gap. And here's the, here's the somebody. God will prove to you that he's the one closing the gap if you have the faith to try, to test him in this. It's the one place, go back and read Malachi 3. I'm not going to. I encourage you to go read it. But if you go read that, it's the one time in Scripture that God says, test me, test me. Most of the time, he's saying, don't test me. Most of the time. In this one, he says, test me. And the whole point of the lesson is, who is the source of the blessings that come into your life? And really, tithing helps us learn that in a fairly painless way. Because all the things Jesus said, all the things that the psalmist said, all the things that Isaiah said, all the things that Paul said, all, all the things that we read. I mean, God, God will not only replace what you give, but he will press it down, shake it, add to it, and it will overflow. And guess what? You'll have all that you need and some so that you can be a blessing to others. This is just how he does it. And as he does that, part of what you find out is his spirit's going to prompt me to be generous to some people around me who have needs. He's going to prompt you to be generous, not just to... The, the fellowship here at this church, but he's going to prompt you to be generous to ministries that you come across where God's at work in those places and people have needs. And he may prompt you to be generous to... I mean, he, he, he's very concerned about widows, orphans, the poor. If we had time to read all the... I mean, you saw some of that in the passages we read. He's going to prompt you to be generous to those things, to those people in those situations. And it all starts as we, as we learn to like part with money in a context like this. It's, it's like it just continues to expand. And as you are more and more generous, part of what happens is you figure out, my goodness, God is more generous. God is more generous. And you begin to realize, I don't need as many things as I thought I needed. I don't. You need certain things, and you'll figure those things out. He'll, he'll make that clear. But Maybe you'll see a family member who's in a bad situation, and you'll be able to help. You'll be prompted to help. Maybe God will prompt you to assist someone who's lost a spouse or someone who's had a string of financial disasters in the past year. And this is what happened in the early church. And what you find in Acts chapter 4 is that people began to practice this to such an extent that literally the text says there were, and this is in ancient times, says there were no needy persons among them. How does that happen? Without health care, without government assistance, without 
retirement funds, without honor, you know, all the stuff that we think we got to have, without insurance policies. How does that happen? Because they learned that God was the provider, the great provider of everything that was needed. And as they were generous, God was more generous toward them than they were generous toward others. He was generous toward the generous. I don't know what God will prompt you to do in your particular situation. You're going to become more generous. I don't know where you are in your spiritual pilgrimage. I don't know, you know whether you need to start with tithing or maybe you've got somebody, you've got a family member in your, in your life that God's pinging in your spirit and saying, you need to help this person, you need to do something, and it's probably clear what you need to do if that's the case. or There's some other situation, but here's what I know. God will lead you if you and I are leadable. It's the whole principle, you know, you can, you can lead the horse toward water, you just can't make them drink, you know, we've, we've, that's a worn out cliche. But it's true, he can point us in the direction, but we're the ones who have to respond. But here's what I can promise you, if you and I will respond, if we will follow in his footsteps, God is generous. He's generous to the generous. Now, I know some of you who are thinking, there's always a little bit of a debating spirit on this kind of a subject in people's hearts. and Somebody's thinking, what about Job? What about Job? If you don't know Job, go back and read Job 1 and 2. I mean, he was an incredibly wealthy guy, and he'd been all of these things and more, and what did God do? God allowed a test into his life that took all of his resources and family and took his health. Things that God in these other passages promised that he was going to give to the generous. So clearly, that invalidates the whole thing. We should. What it illustrates is that God tests us periodically, even those of us who are faithful in this area, to see if we're doing it for the right reasons. And if we'll follow him, even if he doesn't do those things. Thankfully, I don't think he really tests everybody to that degree. I just don't think he does. I don't see it in people's lives. But he tests all of us in this. Gives us opportunity to see, yay, I have grown in this area. As a general rule, he is generous to the generous. And wherein you're struggling in that area, probably need to seek God. God, what? Maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe there's something out of alignment. Is there some way you'll let some of us pray with you, let some of us help you figure that out? Because generally speaking, just by the sheer volume of Scripture, a little fraction of which I read this morning, the sheer volume of Scripture, God's nature is to be generous, and He wants to be generous to you. He wants to be. So my question for you is, will you choose to follow His example? I want to close by leaving you with a mental picture 
It's a mental picture of how God wants us to treat the resources in our lives. I've loved this picture for a long time. I used it several years ago, but it's just, it's such a vivid, I think, uh, memorable picture that I, I want to draw your attention to it again this morning as we close. Some people treat the resources in their lives like a pond. I mean, resources flow in, but they don't really go anywhere. They just sort of sit there. They maybe look pretty. But eventually they evaporate on all the stuff of life that everybody has. Or for some people, their resources are just so plentiful that they just keep wildly flowing into their lives and and it's accumulating, it's overflowing the banks of the pond, so they start building dams to to try to retain all of this blessing that has come into their lives from a financial nature. This is is the way our world works, what we do. But God's example for how to treat the resources in our lives is different. God shows us and tells us that we should treat the resources in our lives more like a river. More like a river. As His unlimited resources continuously flow into our lives, With faith, we need to learn to let them flow through our lives in generosity into the lives of others around us as His Spirit directs. This is really the way resources are to be managed in God's picture, in God's mind. It's counterintuitive. It's countercultural but it's the way to blessing and prosperity and provision and ongoing faith development in all of us. It's part of why God does it that way. So let's choose to live that way this Christmas and year-round. Let's do that, okay? Let's stand together. We're going to close in prayer this morning. I hope you'll reflect on some of these passages. Maybe you need to invite Jesus into your life this morning. You been here and you, you know, you're, you're listening and you just know God's blessed your life in certain ways or he's speaking to you this morning in some way. Maybe you're online listening to all of this. My encouragement is if you need to open your heart and life to Jesus, the promise of Scripture is that if you'll open your heart to him, he'll enter into your spirit. I mean, he will strengthen you. He will fill you. He will cleanse you. He will make you yours. Scriptures teach really clearly that as that all begins to happen inside, we're supposed to, to demonstrate our faith in Him, our surrender to Him through baptism. If you've never been baptized, we want to encourage it. Let us know. Let us help you follow through on that. Uh, it's, it's not intended to be an intimidating or anything, you know, an awkward thing. It's just, but it is. It's a public demonstration of faith. It's kind of what it is. It's a personal public demonstration, acknowledgement that I'm following Jesus. It's our baptistry over there. I promise you, we will move the manger if you are ready to be baptized. We can do that. And then maybe some of you have got stuff going on in your life. and Maybe you're like Job and you're just like, what's going on? Uh, we'd love to pray for you, pray with you this morning. All right, let's bow our heads and we'll be dismissed. Glad you made it today. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful. You're present. You're at work in all of our hearts and lives in spite of our many shortcomings. So grateful for that. 
Thank you that you lived your life with resources like a river. A river of life. And that to this day we benefit because of that. Thank you for choosing poverty over riches. Thank you for choosing goodness and generosity over the glories of heaven and the privilege that was yours before your birth. We're so grateful. It would help us to, in faith, choose to walk the path you've walked. Give us courage. Fill us with generosity. And bless the lives of those around us because of it. And Lord, we'll give you the credit because we recognize that everything that's good in our lives, we learned from you first. Thank you. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your nature. Help us to become more like you. Now go with us. Help us to be lights in our world, salt wherever we go. Help us to be encouragers and spread life. Lift this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.